How do we walk in the light? To walk in the light begins with a biblical view of sin. For you will never properly follow the commandments of God or love your brother unless you have a right view about sin. And that comes from having a right view about God. This week we look at 1 John verses 3 through 10 as we continue our study through the book of 1 John. I'm Noah Hooper and this is the Taught by Grace podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. Thank you for tuning in and listening. As we saw last week as we began our study in the book of 1 John, the foundation of the message that John proclaims is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He begins this message by saying about what he has seen, what he has heard, and that is about Jesus. And this week we're going to look at verses 3 through 10 in 1 John chapter 1 to see the purpose of this message and then the application of the message. So let's read verses 3 through 10 of 1 John chapter 1. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. We're going to see in today's study that the purpose of John declaring the message that he spoke of that we looked at last week is so that those who hear will have fellowship and full joy. And this comes from walking in the light. And all of this, it joins together by having a biblical view of sin. It is impossible to walk in the light unless you and I have a right view about sin. So let's dive into these verses because we have much to cover this week. So notice the purpose of the message in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That is referring to Jesus, what we looked at last week. John had a first-hand account of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the reason that he declares this message, that ye may also that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ. The first purpose of the message is fellowship. Fellowship is a word that is used frequently in this first chapter. It is one of the central themes of this passage. The word fellowship it means communion or intimacy. It is a deep bond that joins two parties together in a relationship. This fellowship is revealed in two areas. The first is earthly fellowship, that ye may may also have fellowship with us. John proclaimed what he had seen and heard so that those who heard the message could be in fellowship with him or, or other believers. He proclaimed the message of walking in the light through the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they would have that common bond. True fellowship can only occur between believers through Jesus Christ. 
You know, there's a call for unity among all faiths and practices in our day and hour. But that is contrary to true biblical fellowship. This fellowship is rooted in one gospel, one truth, and one Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. And this earthly fellowship is produced because of heavenly fellowship. He says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship between believers on earth is possible by fellowship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. So in this, John is ultimately saying that his desire for them is that they would have fellowship with God. There is no greater communion than to know the King of glory. He says, I'm writing so that you may have fellowship with us, but our fellowship is with the Father. So the ultimate purpose of fellowship is to know God. And by the way, let us never forget that we can know and have fellowship with the transcendent God and creator of the universe. He is the sovereign ruler of the world and the universe, and yet he made himself known to us through Jesus Christ, and we can have fellowship with him. And this fellowship ultimately produces joy in the lives of those who experience it. And these things write write we unto you that your joy may be full. John concludes these introductory verses by saying that the purpose of this message is that those who hear would have full joy. The word full, it means to be well supplied. It, It really literally speaks of being crammed full of joy. This is the result of fellowship with God and it is the result of walking in the light. As we transition to the last half of this chapter, I want to remind you that you will not have full joy as a Christian apart from walking in the light of Jesus Christ. To dwell in sin as a believer is to dwell in misery. But to be crammed full with joy, to be overflowing with joy, is a direct result of dwelling with Christ in the light. So John has laid the foundation of the message and revealed the purpose of the message. But what is the message? He said, this is the message I'm declaring to you and this is my desire for preaching and declaring this message. But what is the message? What is John declaring? The message is that God is light. And because He is light, then those who claim to be His are to walk in the light. This is the application of the message. The message begins with a foundational truth about the holy nature of God. In verse 5 he says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The switch flips, the light ignites, and darkness flees. This is what happens when you walk into a dark room and cut on the light. Light infiltrates the room and darkness has to leave because darkness is no match to the purity and power of light. So it is with the completely holy character of God. He is light. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He is completely and entirely pure. We see what light is in the direct context of this passage because John reveals that to live in sin is to walk in darkness. Therefore, if to be light is to walk in the light, then light must be the opposite of darkness, which is 
holiness. We'll see in a moment how the call to us is to walk in the light. But the message begins not that God walks in the light. Rather, the message is that God is light. God doesn't have to walk in the light because God is light. This is part of His character. This is part of His nature. This is not an attribute that God acquired, but it is who God is. He is light. This was the message Jesus proclaimed and John heard, and this is what He demonstrated. He was God in the flesh, as we saw last week, and John in his gospel repeated this truth about Jesus. You you remember when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He is light. And He continues to reveal the implication of the first statement by saying, and in Him is no darkness at all. There is not a flutter of darkness within the nature of God. Essentially, John is emphasizing the impeccability, holiness, and sinlessness of God. He is light because He is completely without sin. Darkness does not dwell within him because there is no darkness in him because he is completely and entirely pure. And it's important to understand that John begins the message with a declaration about who God is. He does not begin by saying, walk in the light. But he begins by saying, he begins by pointing out the holy nature of God. Before he applied the truth, he had to expound on what the truth is. He set the standard before setting the expectation for believers. The motivation to live in a certain way as a Christian must always be founded upon who God is. He is going to say walk in the light in a moment. And the reason he says walk in the light is because God is light. As, first Peter, as Peter proclaimed, we are to be holy because God is holy. We are to be pure because He is pure. This is the standard. It is not a list of rules and regulations from a preacher. The standard is much higher than that. The standard is the one who has never sinned. The standard for truly walking in the light is the character of God. Think of it this way. But the standard sets the precedent for how you live. If you run a race, what is your goal? Is it to finish? Is it to win? Is it to be in the middle of the pack? Whatever your standard is or your goal is will determine your reaction to where you finish in the race. If your goal is just to finish, then you will be satisfied with finishing. But if your goal is winning, then just to finish would be a colossal failure. You see, what your goal is determines your outlook on your performance. The same is true in our Christian lives. If your goal is just to be more holy than the drunk, the prostitute, or whatever stereotypical answer you might give there, then you will probably not have much trouble attaining that goal. However, if your standard is the holiness of God, the bar is raised far higher so that you must live at a higher standard. This is the precedent John sets. The truth about God being light must be the motivation behind walking in the light. After this declaration, John transitions into what walking in the light looks like through the rest of the chapter by disproving three claims. There are three, these are three if we say statements. And by the way, you're going to notice that throughout the book of John that there are phrases John disputes to people who say, if we say. And this first one is a claim about relationship. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. The first claim that John disproves is the one of the person who says that they are a Christian but lives a life of sin. We may make the claim, I know God, but we can contradict our lives by living a life that is lived in darkness. John includes himself, the believer, the denier, and the religious in this because everyone has to examine his own life. He doesn't beat around the bush, but he asserts that if anyone claims to be in fellowship with God, but they walk in darkness, then they are a liar. Their claim doesn't match their conduct because their claim and because their claim doesn't match their conduct, then that claim is a lie. Notice that this is a matter of lifestyle, not of irregular actions. Is John saying that if you sin at all, that you do not know God? Of course not. The New Testament is clear, and we're going to see in a moment that sin, that the believer still deals with sin in our life. However, we should not and must not dwell in sin any longer. You may claim to know God through Christ, but if the life you live is more evident of a pagan or heathen than a Christian, then you are a liar. The validity of your relationship with God is revealed in your lifestyle. Now, I know that's a bit of a mouthful. We are all going to sin and do it more often than we should. That isn't what John is referring to. Rather, he is speaking of the person who says they are a Christian, but it is evident in their lifestyle that they do not know God. You cannot be in the light and yet walk in darkness. What communion hath light with darkness? There is none. You cannot say that you belong to God, and yet the only fruit in your life is that of a heathen who does not know God. The result of being in the light is that you will walk in the light. And by the way, We were once in darkness, but now we have been brought into the light through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we must walk in the light. He says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. He contrasts the person who says they have fellowship with God to the person who actually does have fellowship with God. If you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, then you will walk in the light. Now, before we go any further into the text, I want to address the question that is probably going through your mind. If you're walking in the light, does that mean that you're not going to sin any longer? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that we will see, as we're going to go through this chapter, that we will be more aware of our sin and confess it because even though we still will sin, we are not to live in sin any longer. You are not under the dominion of sin, but we still live in an unredeemed body. Therefore, we will still sin until we are glorified in the future when we see Christ as He is. Walking in the light means that you will no longer live and dwell in sin because you cannot walk in darkness while the light of God's holiness is shining upon you. It will reveal every iota of sin in your life because He is light. We must walk in the light, and when we walk in the light, there is fellowship between believers. He said we have fellowship one with another. True fellowship between believers only occurs when they are walking in the light. Now we know that fellowship is broken when sin enters in, both between believers and between the believers in God. The relationship will never and cannot be broken, but fellowship can be hindered. 
The greatest hindering agent is sin. Sin keeps believers from enjoying this fellowship with one another. And sin keeps believers from enjoying this communion with God. But when you walk in the light, you are able to enjoy the fullness of joy that is found in this fellowship. Now the next phrase addresses the matter of the believer in sin. And it is a wonderful statement. He says, And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Even when you are walking in the light, you are still going to sin. And when you sin, the sufficient sacrifice of the Lord Jesus continually cleanses us from all sin. Think about that. The sacrificial death of Jesus Christ never loses its power in our lives. When you trusted in Him at salvation, His blood wasn't just enough to wash away your past sins and then said you're going to have to get saved again later. But the blood that was applied to your life through the substitutionary death of Christ was, is, and will be sufficient for every sin in your life. That means when you sin now, when I sin now, it is covered by the blood. Even when we don't recognize it, even when we don't see the sin, it has already been paid for. It has already been cleansed by the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. It will never lose its power. You will never sin and condemn yourself before God because His sacrifice is enough. So John disproves the claim that one can have fellowship with God but walk in darkness by declaring that those who have fellowship with God will not walk in darkness. And he continues to dispute the last two claims of this and that is of sinless character and sinless action. So he disputes the claim of Walk saying, I have fellowship with God, but you walk in the darkness. And now he disputes these two claims in verses 8 and 10 of sinless character and sinless actions. In verse 8 it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The first of these two claims is about the sin nature. The person who claims this says that they are without sin. By the way, to say I am without sin is to put yourself on the same level as God in holiness. And this is truly erroneous, and that is what John says. He says that whoever says this deceives himself. This person has been led astray from the truth about every one of us having a sin nature. He said, I am without sin. I don't even have the ability to sin, and that is a lie. He says, you have been deceived. The truth is not in you. And by the way, you'll notice that with this matter of having a biblical view of sin, it always comes back to the truth. Yes, we have been made new through Jesus, but we still have a sin nature because, as I mentioned a moment ago, we live in unredeemed bodies. There's coming a day when we are going to look like Jesus, but that day has not yet come. Therefore, we still have sin within us. And if you believe that you are without sin, then you have been led astray from the truth because the truth is clear that we're sinners. And he sandwiches the answer in between these two claims about sin in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what a great verse this is. You may have noticed a difference in the way the word sin is used in this verse compared to how it is used in verse 7. That verse spoke of the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin, singular, which is in relation to our nature. He is continually cleansing us through His blood. 
But this verse speaks of sin in a plural sense. It is about specific sins that we have recognized and must confess. The truth is that as believers who walk in the light, we are still going to sin. But there is a great promise in this verse that when we confess our sins to God, He is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. He does not desire that we dwell in the burden and power of sin, but He has promised to cleanse us and wash us, and He will not fail to forgive us. Now we're going to notice a little bit more about this in a moment, but last, but before we do that, I want to notice verse 10 in the last claim, which is sinless actions. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. The claim before this was about a sinless nature, but this is about sinless deeds. The first person said, I cannot do wrong, but this person says, I haven't done anything wrong. Again, John points back to the truth by saying that this person makes God a liar. How do you make God a liar? The reason for this is because he is clear throughout Scripture that all men are sinners, that all men have sinned and that they do sin. There is no man who has lived on the earth outside of Jesus Christ who has not sinned. So if we claim that we have no sin or that that we have no sin or that we have not sinned, then we are liars and the truth is not in us. We have become ignorant of the truth about sin. And this is what John is calling those out from, to be biblically aware of the sin in our lives. All these claims have been disputed by addressing the fact that they are rooted in lies. Therefore, the answer to these claims is to come back to the truth. The truth does not make the believer ignorant of his sin. Rather, it makes him even more aware of his sin. Those who walk in the light will see the sin as more sinful than those who do not. Walking in the light does not mean that you will just stop sinning. But your awareness of sin becomes much greater. What may have used to have seemed to be a small sin to you is now exceedingly sinful. Your perspective about the holiness of God will transform your perspective about your own holiness. His holiness will cause you and I to recognize how unholy we really are. Like Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he saw the glorious holiness of God and he cried, Woe is me! Because when you see the nature of God, it will cause you to see your own nature. Oh, but there is hope in this. Because we will pursue with a greater desire holiness because we want to walk more in the light. You will see yourself as more sinful as you sin less because your standard has been transformed to the holiness of God. Now I want to conclude this by tying the chapter together by giving you three observations about how to walk in the light. Now, I'm just going to give you these to you. I'm not going to expound on them. I just want to give you these. First of all, recognize God's holy character. As we saw in verse 5, we must see that He is light. Then we must confess the reality of sin. We have to recognize that we sin and because when we see God's holiness, it will cause us to see our own sinfulness. And then we can enjoy the forgiveness of Jesus. This is a biblical view of sin and this is the answer to the problem of sin in our lives. We must have a right view about the holiness of God and this view will cause us to have a right view about our own sin. And when we have that, we can enjoy the forgiveness of Christ and walk in the light. It does not mean that we will be sinless, but it does mean that we will sin less because we will have seen the holiness of God. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.